I'm Lizanne Flynn. I'm a master healer who works with all earthlings to reunite them within themselves and with each other, regardless of the dimension they're currently in. Meaning, I'm a medium as well as an animal communicator, medical intuitive and channel for all beings. I use the tools of shamanic journeying and soul retrieval to support animals and humans as they heal from past trauma. I'm certified as a Reiki master teacher and as a canine massage therapist. This is the Animals I View podcast. Like me, you're continually being tossed to and fro, at least that's my perception, by subscription viewing services like Hulu, Netflix, Amazon, etc. Because not all of my favorite shows are on one streaming service. It's like they planned it that way or something, right? I saw a meme the other day about how much money is spent on these platforms and that They were advising one to be cognizant of what everybody is subscribing to and to kind of corral them every once in a while to figure out just how many nickels and dimes are being spent on the services. And hey, I'm all for the at-home entertainment until this whole pandemic thingy gets under control. We might be in it for the long haul, I'm afraid. I hope not. And fingers crossed that changes, but that's what our reality is right now. I do think it's important to self-nurture, especially with animals at home, so they don't get an unfair burden of that request, as we humans are wont to do at times. Just like any other good relationship, taking care of your own stuff makes it a clearer place for you and your beloved can't companions of all species so that you can have fun together and create joy in your beings and in your places apart as well as together. The the one service that I don't have yet, and you will see why I do not, (laughs) I think it's Discovery Plus, that I'm actually a little bit scared to subscribe to is the one that also has Animal Planet on it. Because if that were available to me, I would not get anything done. I would never be seen by anyone at all. I would probably not do my podcast. (laughs) I'd spend all of my time watching the vet shows, the shelter shows. I would just be 24-7 animals all the time. I I literally wouldn't be able to stop because that's what happens when I sometimes get the free Animal Planet channel and then a weekend goes by and I'm like, what? What day is it? And even though I have thus far restrained myself from subscribing to the Animal Planet, I can still watch snippets of it on YouTube. Uh, Curse them all. It's a good thing. There was one show that was a bit sensationalistic, in my opinion, and yet I agreed with about 85%, I think, of the training techniques that were used by the dog trainer. And full disclosure, I am not a trainer of people, 
because this is how this works, who happen to also be guardians of dogs. Because again, that's what's really going on. Y'all, y'all get that, right? You, the human, are being trained to how, how to dog. And the name of the show I'm referring to is It's Me or the Dog with Victoria Stillwell. And I'll, I'll put a link to her website in um, the podcast notes so that um, you all can maybe become familiar with her. On the program, there are families who, for one reason or the other, are having behavioral issues that involve the family dog. And in some cases, maybe more than one dog. And do you see what I did there? I didn't say the dogs are having behavioral issues. I said the behavioral issues are in the family already that have spilled over onto the family dog. As I've said before, the truth is that 90% of issues in human experience that, that we see as being the dog's behavior are really co-created between animal and human, and most of the time these issues have roots in human intention. And most of the time it is unintentional, meaning it's not done deliberately, which is where the dog training can come in. And I'll back up just a little bit to a couple of podcasts ago where I talked about the shedding of layers that comes post-adoption and the process by which a newly adopted animal becomes adjusted to their home and to their new family. We, we talked about it takes plenty of time and involves an individualized approach, including support tools like music, essential oils, flower essences, and the last but certainly not least of that being training, which always, always, always begins at home and which always, always, always never ends, at least according to the fabulous Yukari Bianchi. I'll post a link to her blog post here because she eloquently illuminated the process of pre-adoption work, which was interesting to me, especially during the time of this pandemic and how crucial it is that no fingers get pointed on the adoption team of guardian, shelter, or rescue, or dog trainer. I'm going to add the animal communicator in there just because I can. Because it's true that Yukari and I often share clients, especially if they're local, one of us supporting a separate and yet connected facet of the animal and human relationship dynamic. As I've always said, you as guardian are chosen by the animal because of your soul path with the animal soul path. It's part of the human illusion that you choose them you are guided to them by sometimes magical, mysterious, and definitely in my world that has the universe written all over it kind of ways. And it's not surprising how often animals know exactly who they're supposed to make a new home with, animal and human alike. And as the manager of a volunteer program said during my first ever shelter orientation, when we were about to walk uh, down the row of dog kennels, she said, get your thoughts and emotions in a straight line and keep them there and stay centered because they'll read you like yesterday's newspapers, which is how the training process works from my admittedly uneducated eyes. Although I am happy to say that when I share my forays into that area as part of the overall service I provide to clients, I often receive unsolicited high fives from Yukari and approval. 
I, I do perceive what's required is an understanding of dogs in particular, how they are, what predominant breed they are, and I'll talk about that a little bit more at the end. And you'll kind of be all set to start training at home soon after adoption. The importance of this and, and you doing this initially with your animal companion is that it provides those boundaries against which an animal can lean and learn how to please you so that you set them up for mostly pleasing you, which of course is a win-win all the way around. And to be clear about the training part, I'm talking about basic commands such as when to bark, how to greet at the door, how to choose appropriate toys for self-soothing and chewing. And did you see what I did there? I did not say no barking, no jumping at the door, no chewing on toys. Because even your thought pattern of what you want is important to choose before you even step into a space of working with them at home. They'll know what's going on and how you are is so very key to their success. It all depends upon you. No pressure, though. (laughs) And the more you can work on your relationship with them at home via training, again, just rudimentary training so that you, you bring the dog home and you notice that after a couple of days and everybody's settling in and they know how to potty outside and they know how to use the dog door, we've had introductions maybe with other family animal members and with other human family um, members that that everybody's kind of settling into a routine, right? And maybe you start to notice some behaviors. This is, and even if you don't notice those behaviors, this is a good time to kind of see what it is they know. They might have had uh, training before. They might not have had training before. But all of this is really good information for you to gather about them so that you can be this really effective partner should you choose to hire a dog trainer or or get into um, a dog class. And to be sure, if you ever feel like you're getting frustrated or confused or uncomfortable, that's the time to call in the experts. And let all of us support you in whatever phase you happen to be in with your animal family members. And who knows, sometimes, as is the way of energy, you may see a light bulb go on for you, and chances are good then that light will brighten up some other aspect of your life and some other relationship. It's all connected. And as with most things that have a semi-involvement of beings in human experience, we perceive that this is about the task. We tend to think of relationships as related to the task as being second. And to that, animals would resoundingly say the task comes second, the relationship comes first. And in in so many ways, big and small, your animal companions are seeking always, always, always to see where they fit with you and where either of you can make the shared energy dynamic between you better. Certainly, I can vouch for animals in seeking that 
And of course, as beings in human experience, we've got so many preconceived notions and ideas or structures that get in the way. We experience lack of communication all the time in our human-to-human interactions, especially if we just met someone or maybe we don't know them that well or the task is complex or new or so many other variables come into play. So let's take all of that and add on to it that you and your animal companion don't have a shared spoken language, certainly which is a place of comfort for you. And so... In the world of animals, of course, they have telepathic communion, and as well, they have the external behaviors. They can look at another animal and say, I see, I see by your actions. Because, of course, with animals, (laughs) actions are usually pretty directly related to intentions, not so much with humans, as we all know. And so in the training arena, we often see humans over-rely on the spoken, our place of ease, unless, for instance, on the hand gestures, which are the dog's second language, other than the telepathy. So rather than say sit a thousand times over, (laughs) you can master a simple hand gesture that should you get laryngitis, you can still communicate with your animal companion. And, of course, you could always learn the language of energy. Let's stretch ourselves just a little bit and of telepathy and return to the roots of likely your ancestors eons ago before verbal language. I firm believer anything is possible. The more you focus on how can I communicate to this animal who only wants to please me, and yes, they definitely do want that, And how can I let them know that I am very pleased with their response to my request? Other than those two things, you can see how everything else are are just steps getting you from this place of trust, companionship, and deepening bond to other places where the task is, especially when you let them know that they are trusted, loved, and a valued member of your training team. I would add a word of keeping it positive. No is a no-no word, in my opinion, in dog training, because it has the energy of the word itself. Remember, that's why it's called spelling, and because it runs completely counter to your twin focus of letting your animal companion know how pleased you are with them and how to please you. Even beings in human experience respond better to, oops, let me let me show you another way to get you where we both want to be versus no, that's wrong. Underneath, it's always about the energy between sender and receiver. So much better to build confidence with positivity than negativity. I'll put a link into a wonderful journal that I think I've mentioned before and I've subscribed to for the past 10 years, the whole dog journal. If you're looking for support on counter-conditioning training, for instance, uh, reactivity issues, um, desensitivity training, agility, just really most things dog and training related, this is my go-to. Remember, you're smarter than you think you are and your animal companion knows it. And as promised, a final word about breed. As you can, know the dominant genetic strain of your animal companion because that will go a very long way 
in your tailoring your training to fit their personality and temperament. Genetics is something that can't be changed. So if you have a working breed dog, German Shepherd, Husky, uh, Border Collie, or a Retriever, Golden or Lab, or a Terrier, Wheaton, or Jack Russell, understand what they are bred for and how to work with that. Information is incredibly powerful and is most definitely your friend here. And with that, you and your animal companion can really enjoy your shared journey complete with ups, downs, oops, <laughs> and sideways into the world of training once everybody knows what part they play. At least that's how the animals see it. Thanks for listening today. Leave a review if you're so inspired and be sure to subscribe to this podcast. I offer all new clients a free 15-minute consultation. Reach out if you think I can be of service via www.lazanneflynn.com. Come and find me on social media, Facebook, Twitterverse, Instagram, and LinkedIn. I invite you to sign up for my quarterly newsletter on my website, where I also post notices for upcoming events, such as new classes and online psychic fairs. The psychic fair of which we are having this coming Saturday, April the 10th, from 10.30 a.m. to 5 o'clock p.m. Again, you can find all that information on www.lazanneflynn.com. This has been the Animal's Eye View podcast. I'll see you next time. Thank you.